You're listening to the All Truth is God's Truth program. In God's creation, all truth belongs to Him. Therefore, as Christians, we must connect all truth back to our triune God in light of His inerrant Word and His creating, sustaining, and redeeming work. I'm your host, Jared Moore. A sensitive subject. The title of today's show is If the Wife is Queen, Is the Husband King? Egalitarianism or Equality or Veiled Matriarchy. There's been an article circulating on Facebook, and that's kind of what spurred my thoughts on this uh, subject. It's been circulating recently, and it came from an economics book from the 1950s. I've seen uh, several Christian women share this article, and then they would make fun of it. And and, uh, the title of the article is Tips to Look After Your Husband. First, have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal on time. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospects of a good meal are part of the warm welcome needed. Number two, prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put a ribbon in your hair, and be fresh looking. He has just been with a lot of work-weary people. Be a, a little gay and a little more interesting. His boring day may need to lift. Number three, clear away the clutter. Make one last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband arrives, gathering up school books, toys, paper, etc. Then run a dust cloth over the tables. Your husband will feel he has reached a haven of rest and order, and it will give you a lift too. Number four, prepare the children. Take a few minutes to wash the children's hands and faces if they're small. Comb their hair and, if necessary, change their clothes. They're little treasures. He would like to see them playing the part. Number five, minimize all noise. At the time of his arrival, eliminate all noise of washer, dryer, dishwasher, vacuum. Try to encourage the children to be quiet. Be happy to see him. Greet him with a warm smile and be glad to see him. Number six, some don'ts. Uh, Don't greet him with problems or complaints. Don't complain if he's late for dinner. Count this as minor compared with what he might have gone through that day. Number seven, make him comfortable. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair or suggest he lie down in the bedroom. Have a cool or warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. Speak in a low, soft, soothing, and pleasant voice. Allow him to relax, to unwind. Number eight, listen to him. You may have uh, a lot of things to tell him, but, uh, you know, the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Number nine, make the evening his. Never complain if he does not take you out to dinner or to other uh, paths of entertainment. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure, his need to come home and relax. And number 10, the goal. Try to make your home a place of peace and order where your husband can renew himself in body and spirit. And that's the end of the article. You know, this article from the 1950s seems crazy to many Christian women today. Yet I've also seen many women, uh, Christian women, argue basically the same thing as this article, yet arguing how husbands can better love their wives. Today, doing part to reacting to male chauvinism, masquerading as biblical patriarchy or complementarianism, feminism has become prevalent in the church. Not a good feminism either. Not not a women are as valuable as men feminism. No, an unbiblical matriarchal feminism has over, overcompensated for the errors on the other side of the aisle. Consider an article I came across recently by Megan Cox. She is a survivor of an abusive marriage, and she's a believer. She wrote an article uh, recently entitled, Differences Between an Abusive Marriage and a Healthy One. Now, I agree with some of her points, but in other points, I see her replacing what she 
views as male chauvinism with a, a form of female matriarchy. I don't think she does this intentionally or maliciously. I think she merely has overcorrected in response to the sins committed against her. In order to help you see her overreaction, listener, I'm going to write her principles as if a husband is making an equivalent statement. Today in the church, due to the rise of feminism and veiled matriarchy, if a woman says these things, she will hear amens from both men and women, and husbands are expected to fall in line if they're to be good husbands. I mean, Megan Cox says that this is what she describes as a healthy marriage. But if a man says the equivalent, he is viewed as selfish. And so I'm arguing instead that these principles, regardless if they are demanded by the husband or wife, as thus says the Lord, they're actually antithetical to the one flesh marriage relationship described by Christ in the Bible. However, if a wife wants to do the things mentioned in the 1950 article to show love for her husband, she's free to do so. Ladies, feel free to ask your husband if he would enjoy that, if this would make him feel loved. She should not be viewed as crazy, the Christian wife that decides to do this for her husband. And husbands, if you want to please your wife by doing what Megan Cox suggests in this article I'm about to read, you're free to do so. Ask your wife if she would like to do that. You know, a husband who does this should not be viewed as crazy. You know, the, the purpose of marriage is to become one flesh, to meet our spouse's needs as if they are our own needs. Because they are. We are one flesh with our spouses. Men and women get married because they need their spouses to meet their needs and because they want to meet the needs of their spouses. All selfishness must be rejected in order to have a one flesh marriage, a biblical marriage. So I agree with points number one, four, and seven of Cox's article. Now here's point one. She writes, It is normal for a Christian husband to treat his wife with dignity, as an equal heir to the throne of God and a partner in his life on earth. She has her own thoughts, ideas, and passions. Sometimes these passions join together and other times they do not. It is not normal nor biblical for a wife to simply be an extension of her husband. It is not normal for her to not have her own opinions or ideas or goals. And then in point four, Cox writes, It is normal for a Christian husband and wife to talk about things together and make decisions together. It is not normal for a husband to make decisions without the valuable input of his wife. And then point number seven, it is normal to feel like the apple of your Christian husband's eye. A Christian husband loves his wife like Christ loves the church. She completes him. He readily admits that he needs her and adores her. He is not ashamed of that. It is not normal for a man to act like his wife and kids are his afterthought. So I agree with those three points. Now here are the points I disagree to varying degrees. Point number two, it is normal for a Christian husband to be kind to his wife, to acknowledge her hurts and her tears and to apologize if he harms her. It is not normal for a husband to tell his wife that she is being oversensitive or ridiculous. It is not normal for a woman to wonder if she is crazy or defective because her pain means nothing to her husband. So here's the male equivalent from a husband. It is normal for a Christian wife to be kind to her husband, to acknowledge his provision and his effort, to be thankful for all the work he does. It is not normal for a wife to nag her husband about what he doesn't do. It is not normal for a husband to wonder if he's a horrible husband or father because the good he does means nothing to his wife. You know, the biblical response to both of these wrong uh, comments is for husbands and wives to love and respect one another. Also, although we're, we're empathetic toward husbands and wives that are abused and or neglected, by their spouses, we cannot encourage them to blame their devaluing on themselves of themselves on their spouses. We must be empathetic while telling the truth. You know, we all must get our value from God. If I devalue myself as a horrible husband and father, when the Bible says I am a good husband and father, then I must repent. In other words, it's not normal for a biblically faithful husband and father or a biblically faithful wife and mother to think that she's sinning 
or to think that she's bad just because her husband or um, a husband's wife tells this to them. You know, the the point is to please God. And so I want to encourage you, listener, if you are facing verbal abuse from your spouse, that you would get your value from God ultimately. And this is helpful even if you have a death of a loved one. You know, like when my father passed away about three and a half years ago, somebody told me that my heavenly father could meet my needs that I had from my earthly father abundantly. And that's true. And and that's the same truth for our spouses. Um, As important as these relationships are, Ultimately, my goal as a husband is to prepare my wife to be married to Christ for eternity. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to please her. The ultimate goal is to prepare her for Christ. And it's the same way with wives preparing their husbands. You know, the ultimate goal is not to just um, value the opinions of our spouses above God's well, God doesn't have an opinion. God is always right. And so if God says that we are good husbands or good wives, then he's right and our spouses are wrong. And then uh, in point number three, Cox writes, It is normal for a Christian husband to treat his wife as a fragile and beautiful vessel. He gives her extra sleep and cares for her and warms her body and soul. He is strong for her and able to handle her deepest struggles. It is not normal for a man to ridicule a woman for her weakness or make her hate herself for being a woman. A Christian man is forever in awe and wonder over his wife because he is captivated by her. Now, the male equivalent, so if a husband would say something similar, it is normal for a Christian wife to treat her husband's ego as fragile and his work as praiseworthy. She treats him like a king, having his meal ready when he gets home from work. She lets him sleep since he has worked hard to provide. She brings him the remote as needed, and she keeps the kids quiet so he can sleep. She is forever in awe and wonder over how well he loves his family through provision and leadership because she is captivated by him. In point five, Cox writes, It is normal for a Christian husband to encourage his wife in her dreams and desires. He upholds her with his strength, a safety net. It is not normal for a husband to dump all of his problems onto his wife to bring her down. It is not normal for him to vie for her pity and create an atmosphere of insecurity for her in her home. Now the husband equivalent of that same statement. It is normal for a Christian wife to encourage her husband in his dreams and desires. She upholds him with her help, with her support, and her constant encouragement. It is not normal for a wife to dump all of her problems on her husband to bring him down when he returns home from working hard. It is not normal for her to seek out his pity and empathy, for her to create an atmosphere of chaos for him in his home. The home should be a place of peace, a fortress of solitude made by his wife. And then Cox writes in point six, it is normal for a husband to provide a home that is safe. The one thing I asked my husband before we married is that our home is always safe. It is not normal to walk on eggshells or uncertainty around your spouse because you are not sure of what mood he is in. It is not normal to feel unsafe. Furthermore, it is not normal for your normal to be insecurity in your home. And now here's the male equivalent. It is normal for a wife to provide a home that is peaceful. It is not normal to walk on eggshells or uncertainty around your wife because you're not sure what type of mood she will be in when you return home. It is not normal to be without peace in your own home. Furthermore, it is not normal for your normal to be chaos in your home. And then Cox writes in point eight, It is normal for a Christian husband to keep his wife aware where he is and what is happening. They are one. Out of respect and honor for each other, a husband and wife keep each other abreast. It is, in fact, joy to do so and to feel that connection. It is not normal for a husband to show up whenever and wherever and not stay connected to his wife. It is not normal for days of silence to ensue and then a great expectation for intimacy in the bedroom. That is not normal. Now here's the husband equivalent. It is normal for a Christian 
Christian wife to keep her husband aware of where she's going and what she's doing, what she's buying, what the kids are doing, etc. They are one. It is not normal for a wife to show up whenever and wherever and not stay connected to her husband. It is not normal for days without intimacy in the bedroom, and then great expectation of constant intimacy outside of the bedroom. That is not normal. And then Cox writes in point nine, it is normal for a Christian husband to listen to his wife and understand her point of view. It is not normal for a husband to blow his wife off and make her feel like nothing. It is not normal for a husband to make her feel crazy. The male equivalent, it is normal for a Christian wife to listen to her husband and understand his point of view. It is not normal for a wife not to respect her husband, his opinion, and to treat him as a common man. It is not normal for a wife to make him feel like a stranger. And then in point 10, Cox writes, It is normal for a Christian husband to nurture his wife, to protect her, and to cherish her and her body. It is not normal for a husband to work his wife to death, not offering any help with the children or around the house. And then the male equivalent, it is normal for a Christian wife to support her husband, to protect his ego, and meet his sexual needs. It is not normal for a wife to work her husband to death by expecting him to provide for the household financially, and then return home and provide for the household domestically as well. And then Cox writes in point 11, it is normal for a Christian husband to love his wife because she is, not because of what she can do for him. I love my children because they are. They do not have to earn my love. Likewise, a Christian husband simply, simply loves his wife because of her beauty beauty and loveliness. It is not normal for a wife to have to earn her husband's love by hard work, extra biblical godliness, or anything that involves striving. And so here's the male equivalent of that. It is normal for a wife to love her husband because he is, not because of what he can do for her. I love my children because they are. They do not have to earn my love. Likewise, a Christian wife simply loves her husband because he is her husband. It's not normal for a husband to have to earn his wife's love by hard work, intimate talks, dating, extra biblical godliness, or anything that involves striving. So in conclusion, at the very least, looking at these two very similar articles, even though they're written 60 years apart, we need to be aware that it is easier for us to recognize selfishness when our spouse is committing this sin. We, however, have a more difficult time seeing our own selfishness. And listener, if you don't believe me, sit down and write out a list of your faults and a list of your spouse's faults. And let's see whose list is longer. Now, you probably know as well as I do that your spouse's list would be longer. And the question is, is that because your spouse really has more faults than you? Or is it because you can just see your spouse's faults easier? In Christianity, it's amazing that husbands are kings. If I say that, it has a negative connotation attached to it. But if I say wives are queens, well, it's got a positive connotation attached to it. And neither husbands nor wives should view serving their spouses as crazy. After all, marriage should be a picture of the gospel, a picture of Christ's love for the church. Husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And the church's loving submission to her husband. Wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And those verses that comes from Ephesians 5. You know, but our sinful hearts and our love for the world has so tainted our view of marriage that we expect our spouses to serve us the way we want while we continue to serve our spouses the way we want. It's all about us, and that cannot lead to a healthy biblical marriage. Neither a traditional expression of marriage during a so-called better time so supposedly in the 1950s, nor the testimony of a victim of spousal abuse determines our definition of husband and wife responsibilities in marriage. Scripture alone does. And we cannot overcompensate when we see something we believe is wrong or when we experience something that is wrong. So therefore, you and I should see both of these lists that I went through as choosing to please one's spouse. 
instead of seeing both lists as either thus says the Lord or crazy. After all, what's wrong with a Christian freely trying to selflessly please one's spouse? What's wrong with a wife that freely chooses to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I can to please my husband because I'm one flesh with him and to please him is to please myself. Or a Christian husband that looks at Cox's list, you know, a, a wife that looks at the 1950s list or a husband that looks at Cox's list and says, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do what Cox has described as a uh, a husband that serves his wife. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to try to do that to show love to my wife. What's wrong with a husband who freely does that? In other words, what's wrong with a wife that treats her husband like a king? And what's wrong with a husband that treats his wife like a queen? I mean, loving one another and exalting one another above ourselves. That should be a good thing, right? So in conclusion, listener, you know, if the articles referenced above, you know, earlier in this podcast describe your expectations of your spouse. So if, ladies, if you're like Cox and making these demands of your husband, or if husbands, you're like the the first uh, letter from 1950 where you're, you're acting like your wife has to do these things or she's not a godly wife, I want to challenge both of y'all to try something new. Instead of asking, is my spouse serving me the way I want? Start asking and answering the question, am I serving my spouse the way he or she wants? So in other words, let's shift the focus from ourselves to our spouses, not based on how well our spouses love us, but based on the covenantal fact that we are one flesh with our spouses. Our spouse's needs are our needs, and we don't need to think that it's crazy to meet our own needs. Do we? All Truth is God's Truth is a bi-weekly podcast written and produced by me, Jared Moore. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Also, if you enjoyed the show, you want to encourage me to keep at it, you want to buy me a cup of coffee, you can donate on my website, jaredmoore.exaltchrist.com. You can also find me on social media, on Twitter at Jared H. Moore, or on my website, or on Facebook at All Truth is God's Truth. Until next time, enjoy God and His grace by taking all truth and connecting it back to its rightful owner, by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. I see the Savior, I see His grace is amazing I persevere to the end